In today's episode, I want to talk about what non-Black Latinas can do to support the Black Lives Matter movement. I have found myself time and time again disappointed at the fact that so many of us light-skinned or white-passing Latinas have chosen to take a step back or step away from the movement when they begin to feel uncomfortable. If you are able to do that, you are choosing to use your privilege when the going gets tough. It means that you know that you have a way of disengaging with the situation. That right there is privilege. That right there is white privilege. In this episode, I will be touching upon actions we can take to be better allies, how to stay informed, how to support and donate if you're not able to attend a protest, and how to keep your local and state representatives accountable during this time of racial injustice. Also remember, we're going through a pandemic. So also keep your representatives accountable to fund local programs to feed our communities, especially our communities of color that have been impacted by COVID-19 the most. I also want to remind you that Guerreras is a platform where I want to provide you guidance on finding your political voice to enact the change you want to see in your community and the world. Seriously, And I say this with so much love. Don't stay neutral in situations of injustice. Speak up, use your platform, and lead. Welcome to Guerreras. My name is Aurea, and I'm a political organizer in San Diego. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about how the Latinx community can be allies during the Black Lives Matter protests happening around the country, how us non-Black and white-passing Latinas can educate ourselves and others on how to stand in solidarity with our Black, African, and Afro-Latinx brothers and sisters, and especially what we can do to ensure that we enact change in this country. At the end of each episode, I will detail three things that you can do after listening to our podcast. Remember to subscribe to us in your favorite podcast platform and to follow Guerreras on Instagram so you can look at our content in our notes for each episode released here. We are now about two weeks into a massive nationwide protest against police brutality that began after George Floyd was killed by Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, while three other officers stood by and did nothing, even while George Floyd screamed that he couldn't breathe. This senseless act of violence comes almost two months after Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor were also victims of police brutality. Just this Wednesday, Attorney General Keith Allison charged Derek Chauvin with second-degree murder and the other three police officers with aiding and abetting. This was all because of the millions of people that came out to protest and demand action from government officials and the police department. During this time, I have noticed an uprise of allies and solidarity for the Black community, especially within the Latinx community. And I have been asked time and time again what they can do. So first, let's talk about a couple of things. One, 
Us white presenting non-black Latinas should use this time to reconcile with the privilege that our light skin gives us into the system that is white supremacy. So we have to figure out ways to unpack such information in a productive way. What Latinos need to realize is that our oppression is bound up and intertwined with the oppression of the black community. Until they are liberated, until they are free from injustices and oppression, we will never be liberated. So we have to talk about ways in which we can become anti-racist within our own community. First of all, that is awareness. If this is your initial awakening to the racial injustices around you, then you must play a crucial role in learning what it takes to become anti-racist. Being against racism isn't enough. You seriously have to just be anti-racist. Being aware of social, racial, and gendered injustices or understanding that you have white privilege doesn't make you anti-racist. You have to keep going through the stages of unlearning, learning, and bracing yourself that this is not the first time or the last time that you will encounter these systems of oppression. Second step is education. This is where we have to become a student again. From webinars, lectures, workshops, books, documentaries, you seriously need to study the complexities of racism and the many ways it manifests within our society. The point of educating yourself on race and white supremacy isn't for you to be able to articulate these topics in a way that makes you look like you know everything about equality. This is about you being able to develop the eye for identifying white supremacy in its many forms. This stage of the process is crucial to the remaining stages of this work. Educate yourself with intention. Don't just accumulate resources to skim and show off online. Third is self-interrogation. This is the stage where the real self-work begins. This is where you disarm yourself of the racist tools of defense that you have used in the past. This is where you begin to replace them with tools of accountability to stop racist behaviors you may have learned. Interrogation is a skill and a process, believe me. You really need to look in and in deep into yourself to think about it. Being effective, affective, not effective, affective, and efficient at this stage takes time and practice. And while this will probably be the stage that brings you the most discomfort, you will eventually get to a place where you are operating out of a growth mindset and embrace the many ways to identify how you can better be living up to the person you want to be in this fight for human equality. Fourth, and I think one of the most important in these stages is community action. Only after the appropriate effort in the self-interrogation stage, that's stage three, of becoming anti-racist can you then be trusted to do anti-racist work in a way that honors the Black, African, Indigenous, and Afro-Latinx people in your life and society. Attempting to do this part of the work without even doing stage one, two, and three is how you end up harming this community. You harm these communities by assuming a white savior complex, some performative allyship, and microaggressions. This is the stage where you seriously have to incorporate when you leverage your position of leadership and influence, no matter how big or small, 
to encourage others to do their own self-work and anti-racism. This stage definitely will have mistakes, but the way those are handled in the number of times that they are repeated thereafter is what makes the difference here. Anti-blackness sentiments are ingrained in our cultures in part because of generations of Latinos who have been taught to seek the recognition of the white man. George Zimmerman, the son of an Afro-Peruvian mother and a white father, shot and killed Trayvon Martin. Geronimo Janes, a Latino police officer, fatally shot Philando Castile during a traffic stop. In these instances, violent white supremacy was being deployed through white passing U.S. Latinx bodies. Nearly 60 million Latinos live in the United States, most of whom can trace back their heritage to Latin America and the Caribbean. Actually, a 2016 Pew Research Center survey reported that a quarter of all U.S. Latinos identify as Afro-Latino or Afro-Caribbean or of African descent with roots in Latin America. While Latinos largely acknowledge their ethnicity and African roots, dating to Latin America's colonial period, when mixing occurred among indigenous people, white Europeans, slaves from Africa, and Asians, also let's recognize that a lot of these communities were also, a lot of these women in these communities were raped by the colonizers, many still struggle to consider themselves as black. In this 2016 survey, 39% of Afro-Latinos identified as white, while only 18% identified as black. Even more, Afro-Latinos, 24%, said their race was Hispanic, which is an ethnicity and not a race, and really we should stop saying Hispanic because it comes from colonizing, from the Spanish, and that's another episode to really unpack that. So, our community doesn't see the correlation of how ethnicity and race are two different aspects of their identity. Some fear that our Latinx history and culture will be erased if we identify as black or white, which is not the case. And that again is possibly erasing the experiences of black and indigenous people. At the same time, Latinos of every color face overt and subtle racism and discrimination, whether they were born in the US or not. Hate crimes against them are on the rise. Many Latinos are harassed and even arrested for speaking Spanish in public, and they continue to face practical roadblocks to gain access to healthcare and economic and educational opportunities. But despite their ethnic identification or the language that we may speak, Afro-Latinos are first seen as Black to white America, unlike white-presenting Latinos, which is a prime example of that discrepancy during the recent arrest of a reporter. In case you didn't know, CNN correspondent Omar Jimenez, whose mother is Black and whose father identifies as Colombian, was arrested on live TV last week while he was covering the protest in Minneapolis. Even though his media credentials were appeared visible, they were right there in front of the police to be able to see, he was still arrested on live TV. While his colleague and fellow correspondent Josh Campbell, a white reporter also on the ground, was not arrested. Omar Jimenez is an Afro-Latino male and his Latinidad didn't save him in that situation. He was still arrested because he's a black man, period. Now to the non-black Latinas listening. We have to learn how to be better allies in solidarity with black women. Black women are leading the revolution when it comes to gendered and racial violence against all women. 
That includes black and brown trans women who are also victims of police brutality and violence. There's black women who have led feminist movements in the efforts to liberate all women. Yeah, that includes us. Books by Angela Davis, Bill Hooks, Mercedes Jobrado, and many more are some of the most pivotal literature to learn if you want to educate yourself on how to be a feminist. And why I mean why feminist is that you cannot call yourself a feminist if black and brown lives are not at the top of your feminist agenda. Listen to that. If you say that you are for equity and for access to human rights, for women to be seen as leaders, then you need to recognize that black and brown women are leaders as well. It is in these moments when we have to support the women and men leading the movements. Participating alongside Black Lives Matter does not create the erasure of our own struggle. Uplifting and amplifying Black voices from Black women and men is not participating in the erasure of our own voices. I will not participate in any form of erasure of this movement. This is also in no way silencing the work many of us do for our communities in a daily basis. This movement is to recognize and amplify the voices of our Black, African, and Afro-Latinx brothers and sisters who stand on many, if not all, sides of this movement. I am not erasing the fight for Latinos' rights or women's rights by supporting Black Lives Matter. My ultimate goal here today is to educate and grow our communities of allyship. I'm here to talk about police brutality and state-sanctioned terror against black and brown bodies. This includes the police, ICE, and CBP. That's what this movement is about. It is about us together in the struggle. It is not about comparing whose struggle is worse. When we begin to compare struggles, we contribute to the erasure of all of our fights by dividing the minority, keeping all of us in cages. We have to envision the future we want for the next generation of women, the future we should have had, the future that we want the Black community and our brothers and sisters that are Afro-Latinx to have. I am here and I participate in these spaces to fight for the liberation of Black and brown people because this is your country. This is our home. The last thing I want to talk to you about is how to ensure we enact policy change within our communities. If you have noticed the posts by the Black Lives Matter chapters, Movement for Black Lives, and Build Power, these organizations have released action items that elected officials and representatives must enact in order to actually fight systemic racism and disarm white supremacy. First, there has to be a divestment from the police and investment in black communities. That means supporting local schools, colleges and universities and all public institutions to cut ties with the police. Second, this is where the federal government must provide direct cash payments, rent cancellation, mortgage cancellation and moratorium on utility and water shot off and a cancellation of student, medical and other forms of debt. This is in order to support relief in the communities most impacted during the coronavirus pandemic. Because most of the communities impacted by the coronavirus are black and brown communities. Third, there has to be community control. 
The most impacted in our communities need to control the laws, the institutions, and policies that are meant to serve them. From our schools to our local budgets, economies, and the police department. The fourth is to end the criminalization, incarceration, and killing of black people. This is when we need to call not just for individual accountability of officers after murder, but the entire police departments, making it clear that the black community is done getting killed at the hands of anti-blackness and white supremacy. This is when we have to target our elected officials and those that lead institutions to cut ties with the police, schools, and hospital universities. This is also not the time for us, the non-Black Latinas, the white-passing Latinas, any of us allies, to pick and choose which fight we rather fight. These action items, if enacted, honestly help all of us. These are some of the most inclusive demands that I have seen being creative, and they are coming from a community that needs us the most during these times. If you are tired of seeing these racial and gendered injustices happening today, run for office. Tell your friends to run for office. We need true allies to be in the spaces that could make all these actions happen. In 2022, many city council and congressional seats are up for grabs. Plan now and run. Because the next step of the revolution starts here. Thank you for joining me today. I know this may have been a lot of information to process, but believe me, this is the time to learn, organize, and fight. All the information I have mentioned in today's episode will be available in a post I make on Instagram, so make sure you follow me at guerreras underscore pod. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform. In solidarity, always. Thank you for listening. Yeah.